Hello and welcome to the Theology of Plain Men podcast. Uh, you are joined by, wow, that was a butcher already. Can we restart? We <laughs> no, we haven't restarted one yet, so we can't. Can we no, whoa, whoa, let's start from the top. Please. Hi, everybody. This is the producer, Zach Doman. Executive producer, post-producer. Okay, well, I don't know. Uh, mixer. We're, we're promoting ourselves. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not rest- Michael, I need the people to know how bad you are at doing this podcast. All right. Uh, Go for it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Theology of Plain Men podcast. This is Michael Francis speaking. Today, I'm joined by Bradley Gustafson, Andre Nelson, and Zach Doman, the producer. Or executive Uh, producer, apparently. Yeah, and we have an interesting topic. We had some pre-planning discussions here. We come to these pretty raw, just so you all know, so we don't really compare notes or anything. But we're kind of interested to see where this one goes, and Andre wants to keep this one short. So uh, we'll see what happens, though. We are going to talk about megachurches today and the church model aspect, uh, the theology of them. Is it right? Is it wrong? And kind of bring in what the Bible says about it. So I'm going to start by kicking it over to Brad. Uh, where do you come into this topic? And where, where do, do I come in? So I was going to say born and raised in the megachurch. Not quite accurate. Middle school, I started going to a place called Eagle Brook Church. Uh, they're... Holiday attendance hovers, well, about seven, eight years ago, hovered around 40,000 people that would attend. Uh, These days, I'm not quite sure where it's at, but I know it has grown since then. They have around seven site locations now. Post Eagle Brook, I now attend Hope Community Church, and our attendance is hovering right around the 2,000 people range, which technically does fit to the definition of megachurch. However, two very different styles of megachurch. Andre, let's hear a little bit about your background, your experience. So I also go to Hope Community Church with Brad. Um, And Hope does have a couple locations. I think three, four, I guess. Two of them are a block away from each other. Um, So that's where I'm at now. In the past, I have gone to smaller churches. I've had experiences in smaller churches, more local churches. Um, But on the whole... I'm pretty green to the topic, so got some experiences that hopefully I can contribute, but other than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just kicking off here, Michael mentioned that we oftentimes come to this little, I'll say, green or less than prepared. It's not like there's a long dialogue ahead of time of planning out what we're going to say. It's more let's show up and let's talk about this topic. And Michael comes here today and says, uh, why, why are we talking about mega churches again? <laughs> uh, so just want to shed a little bit of light on um, why are we going about this what is what's the point here and so just quick definition what is a megachurch feel free to correct me if i'm wrong here but i believe if 2000 members attend a church it then qualifies as a megachurch uh, i know oftentimes we may think of multi-site multi-location or a telecast a pastor may be at one location and other locations are watching the sermon on a monitor from a different location uh, so that's what it is. Why talk about it? Uh, I think just because it has such an impact, such an influence uh, on the Christian church today. Like I mentioned, Eagle Brook right now, they're having 40,000 plus people come out to their holiday services. They have well over 10,000 coming out to their weekly services. Uh, there's a lot of people involved. A lot of people either gone to that church, been a part of that church, have attended for some sort of event. And let's just talk about the pros and cons that come with 
the model that is the megachurch. Yeah, I think that's that is a good place to start, Brad. Because um, <clears throat> there's two places my mind jumps. Uh, I go to a small church. I mean, a hundred to hundred fifty people. Um, and mega churches, I think can, you can go two routes. Uh, one is in the mega church craze. We've only seen really in the past thirty years, maybe thirty five years. So it's very pretty new concept. Um, Much enhanced by the technology that's come over that time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that definitely plays a role. Um, and there's one aspect that that I kind of like about mega churches when I visited and I went to Hope Community for a while. Um, <coughs> one is just the the aspect of community and celebrating together is much more powerful. And then the things the church can do for its members are also greater because you you just have more people, more bodies, and there's more ministries you can do. And I think that's a a big pro of mega churches. But uh, I need to anybody else. Have any pros? Yeah, I mean, I'll say they they have their hands on a lot of resources. They will usually have top of the line talent from who is speaking to what the worship services look like to the kids ministry. Uh, it's going to be top notch. It's going to be something that your kids want to go to because it's fun. It's exciting. It's something that parents want to go to because it's engaging and it applies to their life. They can learn leadership principles or fill in the blank. Let me take this message and apply it now. It's something that's common that I've seen. A lot of topical messages how can I apply this biblical principle to my life? I, I will say as well, um, from my standpoint, being a worship leader, um, a lot of the big churches have done a ton for um, w- when we think of when I think of worship music specifically. And I think this is the case we see us in a lot of different disciplines of the church where this has happened. Um, you mentioned caliber of speaker and, and things like that. Some things where I think excellence in the church is good. And I think a lot of our big churches have paved the way notably in worship and kind of over the last 30 years, rewriting what music on Sundays kind of has to be um, and kind of paving the way for a a new era of, um, I'm not going to get into the specifics of certain songs or not, but musically alone speaking, um, the, the new emphasis on quality of music that you're, producing and putting out on a Sunday has been really revolutionized by this modern church movement. And also something that I notice from mega churches as a, a product of their existence is not only this high quality music where some of them are publishing albums of music and propagating that around the world to other believers. And that's like a good thing. Like that's a cool thing for them to contribute to the world of Christians. But another thing I see is like podcasts of the sermons that people listen to. You know, I've listened to podcast sermons from other churches, big, huge churches. Um, as a, and that is something that they can do because they have the resources. They can hire somebody to be their digital content person and manage the podcast and manage the, all the other stuff, you know? I forgot to uh, also add that to my job description of all the endless things I do here at Theology of Plainman, uh, digital content manager. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't Wow. He's so good. <laughs> Isn't he great, you guys? No, we <laughs> should pay him more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should double my salary. How much would that be, Michael? Zero dollars and zero cents. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah, I think that there are definitely some, those are some things that come to mind, to my mind, as pros products of a of the megachurch but i think what comes along with that and this might be a good segue is yeah the size and the resources the production quality of some of these churches can slip into 
maybe some of the reasons that you might question what's behind the curtain a little bit or what's going on, what the core foundational beliefs are. Is it really just putting on a good show and making people feel good on Sundays or is it is it challenging us? And yes, let's talk about that for yeah. a second. I come across, I won't say a lot, I come across several people that just strongly dislike mega churches. Fill in the blank. I won't just be name dropping all over here, but nationally recognized churches as well as locally recognized ones, they're completely against it. Uh, if they hear about somebody that attends that church, they may be... Uh, question how seriously they take their faith. Uh, if they hear about a program or advertisement for that church, they just kind of give an eye roll of like, of course, uh, it's just another entertainment venue, not really of a location that is in love with God. Uh, so I just want to touch on that real quick. Right at the beginning, early in this podcast, noted, hey, let's talk about the model of the mega church. And I want to point out that anything we talk about here moving forward it's not a critique against any specific church. Uh, it's not even saying that necessarily all large churches are doing it right or doing it wrong, uh, but it's really more a dive into how do they go about uh, ministering the gospel and is their model an effective one? And one could easily argue on either side of this fence. I look at the effectiveness question mark, and it's incredible how some of these churches are leveraging technology today to reach people with a gospel message that would never otherwise hear it. You think about, hey, we have a Christmas service coming up. 60,000 people are coming through our doors over the next five days, and every single one of them is going to hear the message of Christ. And that's incredible. That's an extremely positive thing. Uh, so, so what's the downside? Like, if I'm able to reach 60,000 people with the gospel in a weekend, that's awesome. If I'm able to publish a sermon online every week that thousands upon thousands of people are tuning into from all over the world, from remote locations that can't attend a gospel-centered church themselves, but they're tuning in online to see this message, that's awesome. Why would we be against something like this? Why would someone be against something like this? <coughs> Yeah, Brad, you're, you bring a great point. The reach of megachurches is great. And I'll, I'll talk from the <coughs> critical side now. Um, there's often a sense, I think the, the question is, well, I, one, I, I do want to acknowledge, I think a lot of small churches struggle with jealousy of megachurches. So people do come at critiques thinking, why isn't my church growing that much? And I, I do think there's some sin definitely there. Um I think one thing that you have to ask yourself is why are people in the pews, right? Or why are people in the chairs going to this mega church? And one part portion of scripture here brought up a lot in this discussion is Second Timothy four. Uh, this is Paul writing to Timothy, uh, old guy writing to his disciple, essentially, or his disciple. Uh, Timothy, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God. This is verse one, and of Christ Jesus, who is the who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort in, uh, with great patience and instruction. Verse 3 now, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and will turn away their ears from the truth, and will turn aside to myths. But you, so burn all things, endure hardship, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. 
And I think the often critique is, yes, they're sharing a gospel around the world, but it's not the right gospel. It's usually a gospel of self-help, or it's a watered-down version of the gospel that is, is hey, Jesus is going to fix all your problems. Um, a lot of these mega churches <clears throat> take in large, large sums of money, and some of them have pastors who live very frivolous lives, and there's the, those critiques as well. But, I mean, the basic critique is generally they've turned away from sound doctrine, and people are going there to have their ears tickled because it says, it's a country club, essentially. It's a place to go where your friends are at, where you hear a, a good message that makes you feel happy on the inside, and you go home Sunday afternoon encouraged and enlightened in, in a good group of people, um, but you're not hearing the gospel truth. And I think that's the, the big critique, right, is is Jesus and the gospel aren't meant to be popular to the world. And there's and I think you see that throughout the the gospels or the gospels and, and in the epistles of Paul, but the church still grows. I mean, Jesus preached to crowds and there's all these examples. So I think what you're seeing is there has to strike a balance here in theology at some point. And, and it's not, you can't, like Brad said, we're not naming one church or anything because you can't judge a book by its cover. I think there's mega churches or big churches doing great work for God. And there are others that maybe need to look at it, but the seeker sensitive mentality of a watered down doctrine or a gospel of me is usually the biggest con against these churches. What are you guys thoughts on that? Well, I mean, my head just starts running right off the bat of what are my experiences when I attend a larger church, whether it be Hope, Eagle Brook, or elsewhere that I've been a part of. Do I see a watered-down message? And honestly, I don't see... So growing up, prior to high school, I attended another church here locally. Definitely not a mega church. Attendance of maybe two to 300. Uh, I don't see much difference in the teaching of that church that I attended when I was younger compared to the ones in high school and currently. I don't, and for good and for bad, I see watered down teaching in some of the churches I attended, regardless of size. And I see very direct gospel truths that can be offensive to people being spoken at some of these mega churches as well. I look at specifically, I mean, first, I love hope. I attend hope right now. But also when I attended Eagle Brook, I saw very blatant statements and convictions that they spoke from the pulpit uh, that would offend people, that would drive people away. But they still said, this is what we need to do because this is true. Yes, and that's that I agree, Brad. I think that's a hard mark to follow. And I think a lot of people from small churches won't like me saying this, I come from a small church. and uh, But y- you can't judge a book by its cover. Meaning, yes, mega churches can have bad theology. Guess what? Little churches can have bad theology too. Um, I think we just see it more flashy and in the news when one of these big churches has bad theology. Why? Because more people are affected, right? And it's sensationalism at its core. So I, I agree with you there. And I think as a congregant, as a churchgoer, it's easier to overlook and forget about that bad theology when you like what you see w- at the level of production value, like we were saying. And so I think the a takeaway for me and something that I hope that I remember, you know, I'm not, probably not going to go to Hope my whole life, so uh, I'm going to be evaluating churches down the road. And what I hope that I remember is to uh, to really think critically about the doctrine and the beliefs and the teaching and, yeah, not judge these churches by 
their size or by their look, but in fact by the content of their teaching. So no, I think that's that's a great takeaway from a great perspective to have of no matter the size of the church, I want to tune into what is their core message. What is it that they would so I picture like there's three layers of maybe things you would stand on, things you would die for, things that are worth debating, and things that are worth discussing. What are the things that they put on that to die for category? What are the topics that they're passionate about and they will s- put their life on the line for? W- on this topic, I, sh- I want to point out one more thing that comes to mind. When I think mega church. I see a passage from 1 Corinthians 2. I'll just read a few verses here real quick. But Paul says, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So that your faith might not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the wisdom of God. And one thing I do fear with a lot of these large churches is that they're more confident in the eloquence of their speaker and the talent of their music than they are in the word of God impacting lives. I think that's one thing to tune into. Again, no matter the size of the church, but especially in these large churches that have access to more resources, is their sales pitch, hey, come see this great talent, or is it the Holy Spirit changes lives? The gospel transforms people. Come be a part of what God's doing in this community. I think one other thing worth touching on real quick, and I think we want to wrap up this podcast sooner than later here, but the model itself. One thing that I really kind of key into when I look at a megachurch, and I've heard this straight from the pulpit on multiple occasions, go bring your friends here to hear me share the gospel, says the pastor. Reach out to your coworkers, reach out to your friends. We have a big week next week. Bring them in the doors and I'll share the gospel. And that just makes me cringe every time. Since when is it about, hey, rally the troops to come here and hear one person share the gospel? I would much rather see the church equipping the body of believers, enabling the members of the church to go out into their community and to share the gospel. I have a lot more influence on my coworkers than my pastor ever will. So equip me to go share the gospel rather than ask me to bring them to you. Yeah, that's a great application point. Um, and what to look for in churches is, is something of a missional focus there where uh, it's been said now, the new statistics are saying people aren't going to come to Christ through church, but rather through their friends and their coworkers and their neighbors. And if we're not equipped to do that, that's really important. Uh, to wrap up, I think just because we didn't, say megachurches are wrong or megachurches are great, but we struck a balance. Uh, I want to just bring in some like a key application on how to choose a church. I know a lot of people have struggled with that. Um, And here's kind of my three-step plan of how to choose a church. Step one, know what you believe and and know kind of what Brad said, those things are worth trying for. But but frankly, it comes down to what he just read there in 1 Corinthians 2. Of, I sought to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Is this a gospel church or not? Start there. Is this a Bible-believing church or not? So make sure you know those points and know them well enough. Two, visit the church and ask them for their mission statement and their uh, doctrinal statement. If they don't have it handy and aren't able to find it pretty quick, that's usually a somewhat of a red flag because I don't know what the church is there for. But usually it's right there. It's in the welcome packet, so they give that to you. Step three, enjoy the service that week. 
and then I would encourage you to go back the next week, but see how closely their service and their people and the activities they do reflect their mission and see if that's a mission you want to follow. So those are the kind of the three steps that I would look at is one, know what you believe, two, see what the church believes, and then three, see how consistent they are in holding to those beliefs. Um, I think that's a really solid way of picking out a church um, and going from there. Quick addition to that, if you, anybody listening to this is looking for a great church in the Twin Cities, give us a holler. We'd love to talk to you about it. <laughs> and with that, we will uh, close up this podcast on Mega Churches. I hope our verbal processing was helpful in your edification and building you up. Because at the end of the day, that's what we're here for, to encourage and build up the body of Christ. Have a wonderful day and night, everyone. Thank you.